Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of Belief Beat, a podcast out of Unity Lutheran Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin, where we talk with people who matter about things that matter. I'm Muriel Otto. I'm your host for this episode, which is part one of a two-part series about talking with kids about grief and death. And we were just incredibly blessed to be joined by two powerhouses of guest speakers. Uh, Both of these women are just an incredible combination of savvy experience, compassion, kindness, and total practical wisdom. Let me tell you a little bit about them before we start. You will hear two voices on the interview. The first is Nicole Stangle, and she is the bereavement coordinator at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. She's a published author, and she presents all the time to all different gatherings um, on children and grief. And she is joined by her colleague, Deborah Monasterio. Deborah is the executive director of Kyle's Corner, which is a support community for families with grieving children that has just joined the Children's Hospital Hub. And they both um, came to give us guidance on how we can talk with kids about death, and, and especially um, thinking about the Christian perspective, how to talk about our beliefs and our theology in age-appropriate ways with our kids. I'll be honest, uh, these two just knocked my socks off. Um, They were just such a perfect balance um, of kindness um, and sensitivity, but also super, super practical um, and no-nonsense, very concrete ideas. Um, And this is a really hard topic. It's one that we get asked about often as clergy. And this podcast, both part one and part two, are just a gold mine of insights, both before, during, and after any kind of episode of grief or loss um, through which we are trying to help the young people in our lives. So we're going to turn you over um, right now so that you can listen to the first half of the conversation. Um, They are going to talk through some of the most common questions that we hear. Should I tell my kid when someone has died? Should I bring my kid to a funeral? What about you? Are you going to die, mommy, daddy? Um, Am I going to die? So all of these things and more they will address. um, And just um, we hope that this will be a great resource to any of you um, through the grief that is just an inevitable part of life. Here they are, Nicole and Deb. Well, let's talk through um, some of the big questions that we get most often. And I know um, one that you had mentioned, Nicole, was, should I tell my kid when somebody has died? Yes. And the answer to that is yes. (laughs) An emphatic yes. (laughs) And is this true emphatic yes for any age, whether it's um, close, you know, a person really close to them or a person far away? Yes. And, you know, if it's, um, let's say it's an uncle or an aunt um, or somebody that they don't, they know, but they, they don't really have a relationship with, that would be a really good time to have like those teaching moments, right? And to kind of introduce that subject of, of death and, and what is death and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it, death is a taboo subject. We don't like to talk about death, um, yet it's one of those things that it surrounds us. Yeah, 
right? Whether it's, you know, a death of a person or the death of our goldfish <laughs> or a pet, or it, it's just around us and we see it when we're outside hiking, right? We might see a dead bug or we might see, you know, a dead bird or something like that. So um, really using those opportunities to kind of do the teaching moment and to introduce it that it's okay to talk about it. Yes, yes. Okay. I and, think that's a huge important piece mm -hmm. is, is, is to make it um, just really like any other topic. Um, to not avoid it, to not sugarcoat it, or try to uh, make it something that becomes even more confusing in our attempt to to be gentle, um, and and not not to say that um, you need to be very careful about how you're sharing that. It, it should not be just something that you know, you haven't had time to think about because your word choice is all so very important. And then also how much you actually share. Um, sometimes less is so much better. Mm -hmm. um, and then allow a child to ask additional questions if they have them. Mm -hmm. um, adults tend to, to go right to the, uh, you know, the whole big thing. And really they might just be wondering about one little piece of it so um to keep that in mind right okay and, and we oh sorry go ahead i was just people sometimes ask about language like you know sometimes we'll use euphemisms like they passed away or we we mm -hmm. lost them yes mm -hmm. Yeah. And those are things we definitely want to avoid doing. Um, it confuses the kids because most often they're so very literal. Um, so if we say, you know, grandma went away, they literally will think that they went somewhere and they want to go to that place and be with them. Um, and that's just not possible. So the idea of using the word die or death um, is important because they they need to hear that um, so that they are not confused by any of those euphemisms. Even even though our intentions are good and we're trying to be gentle, um, it can create a lot of confusion and then it can also impact that trust. And so we want to make sure that we're we're being mindful of maintaining that trust. That's what happened, right? Somebody died and they're dead yeah. so that we want to make sure that that's what we're we're telling our our kids and we have to be careful especially um, if we have a faith background um, that we're not using some of the euphemisms you know like they're in a better place oh went because, to be right God. yeah so they're in a better place and and the thing of it is is we can believe that right but yet emotionally the better place is next to me because I love that person. And so I don't want them to be anywhere else but with me because that's the better place. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I would say that even to say that to an adult, even if that's their belief, is to not say that, mm -hmm. is just to hold off on that um, and, and maybe let the person who's grieving introduce that, um, that concept because like I said, a lot of times it's, it's a better or those, you know, God needed another angel, right? Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Those types of things that we, we don't want, because what kind, you know, 
what kind of guy would take open up a whole can of worms saying something like yeah. that so we want to be really careful as deb said and really just talk about it objectively this is what happened okay and i know people often ask you had said actually i think people ask you like how much detail should you give should you tell them how mm -hmm. they died and i would say yes um regardless if um, the mode of death is suicide or homicide or an overdose. Um, as adults, we, we kind of want to protect the children. And we think that um, those modes of death are, are ugly, for lack of a better word. Um, and we, we want to protect them from, from that. And we're really not doing them a favor because those different modes of death have a lot of nuances and a lot of things that those kids will eventually have to work through. And we, we want them to know what's going on. And we certainly don't want them to feel like we've lied to them. And that's what happens is eventually they find out and we want them to find out from us, the, their parent or their guardian versus overhearing a conversation yes or having another kid tell them or something like that, where they're getting that information from us mm -hmm. um, so that they can talk about that because that's what happened. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we're, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but you're going to give them the amount of details and the, the way we talk about it is going to be different than how we talk to a four-year-old versus a 12-year-old versus a 16-year-old. Right. Okay. And so, so we've mentioned a couple of things to not to avoid yeah. avoiding euphemisms, uh, avoiding dishonesty, um, uh, avoiding avoiding it. Um, right. Like, would either of you be able to describe, like, if we were going to flip that into the positive? Sure. Like, what are some things we should do? Some just some basic guidelines for having initial conversations about death? Well, I would say we want to recognize it mm -hmm. and acknowledge it right, right from the very get-go so that they can understand that this is a natural part of life. Mm -hmm. um, it's nothing to be afraid of or, or avoid as a, as a topic um, because it is a central part of what we all experience. So like Nick was saying earlier, those teachable moments can be very helpful. Um, and, and just helping them understand that um, it's okay to have these sad feelings, to be sad for a while. And we know that that's hard. Um, and we also know that that eventually those feelings will change. So when we're having conversations with really young kids um, who do not understand any kind of sense of time, um, it's important to kind of match that up with something concrete that they can relate to. So I often use the example of weather and saying something like, you know what, I know you're really sad right now. And that's, that's okay. And I want you to know that just like the clouds are moving by, um, your feelings are going to move by and they're not always going to feel like this. So just giving them something concrete that they can relate to can be incredibly helpful because when we're talking about abstract ideas, 
even though they might really be trying to understand, they're just developmentally not at that point. Um, so, so to keep that in mind is really helpful. Acknowledge it, recognize it, talk about it. Okay. And, and maybe Brian, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I just, and I maybe try and do it. <laughs> I'll go, I'll go. And then you go, Nicole. I, just because I want to just echo back what you had said earlier, Deb, that, that actually seizing on any opportunity to talk about death when it's the stakes are low. Right. Early on. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a much easier conversation when it's yeah. somebody close. Even if it's something like a plant and making that like maybe one of the first steps. So, oh, mommy forgot to water the plant. Look at, look at how the plant is all bent over and it's shriveled up. Oh my goodness, this plant died. That means that the plant didn't get what it needed. And when we don't get what, what we need to live, then what happens is we die. And just keeping it very simple like that and then letting them ask additional questions if they have them. They might not and just skip off and oh, yep. You know, mommy killed the basil. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> how did you know what just happened in our house? <laughs> Nicole, what were you gonna say? Yeah, I was just gonna um, talk about that, that language of when you ask like what to do is to use that really concrete language and just keep it simple, especially with the really young ones. Yeah. Um, and to talk about what is happening like concretely as in if somebody dies and to talk like Deb just described like the plant, right? So if it's a person talking about you know, Aunt Jane, she can't feel cold anymore. She can't feel hot anymore. If I pinch her, she doesn't feel that anymore. Um, you know, so really get concrete with with what that what death kind of is. Mm -hmm. um, and to talk about if let's say it was a sickness especially when they're little, we, we don't want them to think, oh no, daddy got a cold, so daddy's gonna die. Right, because they generalize. Yes, so we wanna make sure that if we talk about if somebody gets sick and dies, that they got very, very, very sick. And they got so sick that the doctors couldn't fix what was going on in their bodies. And sometimes we get so sick that our bodies can't repair itself, you know? And so like you, you kind of exaggerate it so that they understand that, you know, like I said, if somebody gets a cold or something like that, that, that doesn't mean that they're going to die, right. but you have to get really, really sick, okay. um, you know, or the injuries that they got were really, really bad because the doctors couldn't even fix it. So if they fall and scrape their knee, right? That like, you wanna make sure that they kind of get that concrete idea of there's a difference between those two things. Yeah, that's really helpful. I'm just thinking too, from just putting on my pastor hat, um, there are all different kind of Christian beliefs, of course, it's a really wide umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, but I think speaking, at least for myself, and I think for the Lutheran tradition, we do think that our bodies 
are temporary. Right. Our bodies don't last forever. Um, so I think people can feel, you know, um, that there's that they're still in accordance with their faith traditions. If you say, yeah, their their body's done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to maybe help them understand, I often use the analogy of a shell. You know that that this is a shell. It's something they can literally hold or or look at, um, and know. Oh, the shell is empty. There's you know there's there's nothing more inside. I there's no feeling to help them understand that our bodies are like that too. And when our hearts stop working and our lungs can no longer work, that that our body shuts down and dies. And when that happens, um, our body might still be there, but it's a shell. You know, we're, we're not, we're not connected to that shell any longer. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I would love to pick both your brains in, in just a minute about kind of where on the developmental spectrum, mm -hmm. where the switch happens, where you can start to talk more about abstract ideas and faith. But I wanted to touch on one last question that we get a lot, mm -hmm. which is, should I bring my kids to the funeral? And and then <laughs> should, I let them, should I let them see the open casket? Do you guys yeah. have any, any wisdom on any of that? Yes. Um, yes. You, we highly encourage um, you to bring your child, regardless of age, to the funeral to allow them to see the, the body. And, and depending on the age, right? Let, if they want to touch the body, you know, that's how kids learn, right? That's how they process. So as long as they're being respectful, right, um, to maybe touch the body or, you know, um, kind of really they're going to want to maybe sometimes stare or really have some questions about, you know, different things, but allow that, allow that processing to happen as long as, like I said, you know, your child's being respectful about it. Um, but what we also encourage is that you want to prepare your child before the funeral on yes. what they can expect when they get there, right? Like what they could maybe anticipate the body looking like, right? Because it doesn't, it doesn't always look quite like the person depending, right? right? So kind of giving a little heads up that, you know, they might look almost like a doll, you know, with our waxy with their with the way they look, mm -hmm. um, that they how they might be have hands folded that they're going to be in this thing called, you know, a casket, mm -hmm. and that they're going to see people crying. And they're going to see people maybe even laughing or talking, but like just kind of Kind of giving them a picture in their their heads right of what that might look like when they come in and have a plan b right we want to encourage that they come and they they experience that and if it becomes too much or if you have a, a three four or five year old right they have so much energy yeah and and we'll be talking about this, but kids can grieve kind of off and on. It's like a light switch with them. So they might be sad and oh, and then all of a sudden they want to go play with their cousins or something, right? Um, so have a space that might be dedicated for the kids that they can go to 
maybe have um, somebody there that maybe wasn't as close to whomever has died so that if they need to be maybe taken, you know, into a separate room uh, to let them play and get that energy out and not be a distraction, mm -hmm. um, that that person feels like they can leave with the child. Um, you know, bring art supplies, you know, kind of bring those things that they can um, do that as well. But we kind of want to have that, that prep work, yeah. talk to them about what to expect, and then have a plan B. Okay. Anything to add, Deb? No, I think that was really well said. Um, I think it would be a big mistake to avoid those things, mm -hmm. um, to just walk in randomly through the parking lot. And now we're going to a funeral, a funeral that that vocabulary word is probably very foreign. So they're, they're not even sure what a funeral is mm -hmm. um, and just helping them understand this is a time to say goodbye. This is a time to remember all those special times we spent right. with grandma. Um, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, so that they they get the purpose of what that is. Yeah. And that reminds me. What, yeah. Kind of jumping off what Deb said is, if they were this was a close relationship, we even encourage it, inviting the child into that planning of the funeral, right? Because when we're grieving our lives have been turned upside down. Our worlds have been turned upside down, not just as adults, but as children, their worlds mm -hmm. have been turned upside down. So just like adults like to feel like we have some control over things, children wanna feel like they have some control over things. So what, how can we help them kind of feel like there's a little bit of control in this very chaotic situation? Mm -hmm. And a lot of that sometimes comes with getting them involved with the planning like help them maybe pick out the flowers or maybe it's a color, right? It's kind of like when we tell, getting up in the morning, getting ready for school and, you know, them wanting to wear everything, well, you give them two choices of, you know, outfits, right? Because they get to choose, but you kind of ultimately kind of have same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like let them give them some of those things and maybe have them draw a picture yes i was just going to add that. you know draw a yep. picture for the person they can put it into the casket and if they're older it can be a letter yeah it can be memories grandma i will always remember making homemade noodles for chicken noodle soup with you and and i will mm -hmm. miss that and every time i have chicken noodle soup i'm going to think of you and i love you um, it can be as simple as that but that closure um, will be really important as they get older mm -hmm. um, we so often hear the the regret in not being able to say goodbye so by having them attend the funeral and participate as much as they're interested in doing right, so right. um giving them choices and and things they will really appreciate that so much um later in life mm -hmm. like we don't always recognize just how essential that closure is mm -hmm. um but when they when they are given that opportunity to have closure, it's it's huge. It's really helpful. Right. Okay. I think this again, speaking from the pastor perspective, we really noticed not just for kids but for everyone during COVID, when we couldn't do yes. funerals um, mm -hmm. and end of life visits the way we normally could, 
that for me was such a reminder of how important ritual is very important yeah yes yes and i think now a lot of people are actually it's kind of cool people are coming up with all kinds of creative ways to mm -hmm. do memorials and celebrations of life now that they're able to gather again. But yeah, it was a good reminder just how important that is. But your words are reminding me, not just for adults, also important for kids. Yeah. Well, should we talk a little bit through the different age groups and sure. um, what kind of words to use to describe death and maybe what kind of, what might we see um, if a kid has had a big, uh, some kind of grief or um, had a death close to them at various ages. And Muriel, I'm really glad you just said that, grief or a death, um, because it doesn't always have to be the death of someone or something. Grief is, is any major impactful loss. Mm -hmm. So it could be, um, a move and now they're no longer seeing the babysitter they had um, for the last three years because they're living in a new house. Um, it could be something like the, the loss um, of an opportunity or any major big change. So even like, um, you know, a, a military parent being deployed you know, even though you might be FaceTiming and they see you, there's a definite big change. And so any big impactful change can result in grief. And so we want to keep that in mind because there's, there's um, so much more that's impactful that if we were to just acknowledge it and feel it and process and talk about it, we would be so much healthier in the long run. Yeah. And, um, and to just know that it's not something that you can hide from. Grief will be there whether we decide to acknowledge it or not. Mm -hmm. So it's far better to acknowledge it. Yeah, and then the, just thinking of the Bible verse of tell the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. All right, Nicole, take us through the earliest. How about for our, our youngest, youngest kiddos? What is what do these conversations look like? Well, I I could even start um, with really, really young, because um, often we'll hear, well, my two-year-old, they don't really know what's going on. And um, that intellectual piece of of knowing that somebody died and what that all means no your two-year-old doesn't understand that or your one-year-old doesn't understand that and that does not mean that they will not grieve especially if it was a very if it was a parent or if it was a grandparent that was really involved in their lives mm -hmm. or somebody that was really um like i said very impactful into their lives they're gonna feel that even if they can't really Verbalize. verbalize it or really intellectually kind of be able to understand what's going on that that grief piece is still going to happen it's going to happen at us for a six month old even if it's because they're picking up on their environment and mm -hmm. mom and dad are grieving no that's way six, six months, months? <laughs> no way really 
little little yeah yes. they can sense changes um and it's of course all on an emotional level right like what nick was talking about they're not able to understand anything beyond what they're sensing and feeling um but they will pick up on those changes that stress um that sadness and they will react to it so uh infants will be extra clingy or perhaps extra cranky and difficult to soothe um and that is a reaction to what they are sensing and experiencing in their environment mm -hmm. so um you know one of the one of the big things that holds true for all people is that people need to be reassured that they are safe and that they are loved and one of the ways that we can do that is by providing extra physical reassurance so that might mean um rocking that baby until that baby is fully asleep or it might mean you know picking up that that baby that's that's awake and just giving them extra cuddles um but that that physical presence will be will be soothing and grounding and reassuring so again we're talking on that emotional level um they will react to that um and that's that's a really important piece to 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 keep in mind because um they're reacting out of fear and so it's fear based and we need to reassure them that they're safe Mm -hmm. So pre-verbal kids, physical yeah. touch. Yeah, yep. physical touch. I guess you can still tell them. You can still tell them they're safe. And, and that, yeah, that reassurance of even like if you're going to work, right, and and they're going into daycare, that uh, you know, mommy will be picking you up. You mm -hmm. know, I'm I'm picking you up after work, and and just that reassurance that um, you're still going to be there right because if they notice somebody isn't in their life then they may not be able to verbalize it and this goes even into the the younger ages and into the elementary age of um a lot of that fear is somebody else may die yes or somebody else may also not be in their life that mm -hmm. used to be in their life all the time so that you know really reassuring them that i'm here you know, I'm not going anywhere. Um, I know we can't make promises, right? Like that nothing's gonna happen to us, but just trying to reassure them I'm picking them up. You know, I'm, I'm here. Um, and also letting them know that there are other important people in their life right. that love them and and are going to be there to help and support them. So if you have that first grader or second grader that's all of a sudden having a really hard time getting on the bus, or you know mm -hmm. spending the whole day in school because they're so fearful that you might not be there if if they leave um you know first of all being very patient and understanding with that i know in our busyness we can sometimes maybe get really frustrated with that like you're fine you're fine you know um we want to be really careful not to shame them or make them feel bad about that need for reassurance because again it's fear-based and they're reacting to that this mm -hmm. isn't something that they can control um so we want to we want to make sure to keep that in mind as well as understanding that um they're they're literal and concrete thinkers and they will generalize so even though we might not connect the dots and think oh they're so clingy what's going on 
it's, you know, they might not be able to verbalize it, but they're mm -hmm. scared. So um, having that conversation, letting them know, you know what, if for some reason, mommy isn't able to pick you up after school, guess what, Auntie Amy would come and get you or you know what uncle tom and just helping them literally think about people in their lives that they know that love them and that would be there um it's far better to address that mm -hmm. than to dismiss it and oh honey you don't need to worry yeah. you know you're fine um that that doesn't help and and so what does is is addressing it and helping them understand that there there are additional circles yeah. of support we've kind of moved there already but so just thinking of kind of that elementary right. age and and how would you find the balance between helping them know that they're safe and honesty right like if they say like are you gonna die too um or am i gonna die <laughs> what how would we respond to that all right friends muriel again that is it for part one come back next week to hear their surprisingly simple answer to this loaded question plus how to talk about our christian faith with our pre-abstract thinkers without confusing the heck out of them and a bonus conversation about what to do with the teen who won't leave their room we'll see you here next week god bless